This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Indoors or out, summer, fall, winter, and spring. Whatever you garden, wherever you garden, this is the show that covers it all. The AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, sponsored by Scott's. Grow the world you want with help from Scott's. And good Saturday morning. Well, look at Blossom Deary. How are you? I'm good. <laughs> well, we're shaking hands. You we can't are. see that, but we just did. Nice little handshake across the table. We're too busy hitting each other. <laughs> well, good no, morning. Now, I'm, I'm hoping that you're going to be able to last the entire show without drifting off. Are you kidding? I'm like <laughs> yes, I am. so adrenaline up here. I've got lots of energy still, somehow. Uh, for those of you who are not don't know what we're referring to, a couple of things. Canada Blooms is oh, on yes. right now, and I'm there daily. Primping and fiddling. They call me the plant pimp for a reason, right? I'm the one, you know, deadheading and watering and, and futzing about. Uh, yes, as horticultural director, I'm very responsible for the yeah. look, the look of the plants. You the, know your little features you do throughout, throughout the week uh, mm. that are little vignettes? Yeah. The one you did about what the what you do to prepare for the show, I found absolutely fascinating. You have, well, you, you uh, bring the plants to their prime for a certain date for a certain date yeah, yeah incredible well and you want to hear it's there's so many backstories you know what's really going yeah, yeah. on um because warm temperatures cause plants to grow and overgrow and and be done in the case of flowers i was very specific with the direct energy center our new location mm-hmm. 12 degrees not uh, not anything above 12 degrees because i want to keep the flowers fresh and blooming and good looking for the entire show well, right, we're yeah. still running all day today and tomorrow so it's so cute they're they're walking around on last tuesday and wednesday they've got these little handheld digital <laughs> thermometers they're going charlie we're at 12.4 is that okay 12.4 i go well let's uh you know make sure it gets get it back down to 12 so the air conditioning's going i mean people are freezing okay <laughs> the entire crowd is going why is it so cold in here <laughs> it's for the flowers i can imagine virus sent down to take the temperatures up your name wait a minute this is the wrong kind of thermometer oh what a bummer <laughs> he well, goes. so anyway i got arm twisted into raising the temperature so yeah. we are not quite as chilly down there right now. You don't have to wear long underwear. You're getting fabulous reviews. I mean, the show is getting fabulous reviews. Yeah. I know we'll read a little email, uh, email that uh, was sent to me to give to you, mm-hmm. uh, and I thought it was so darn cute. Anyway, we, I better mention the phone numbers. Please. This is The Garden Show at AM 740, Charlie Dobbins' Garden Show. And With yes, Frank Proctor, the famous sous chef. Thank you very much. I'm on the billing. How about that? And Grace Saki, the incredible yeah. background the producer. The incredible Grace. All right, uh, phone number. In Toronto, 416-360-0740. Okay. Then, anywhere else in the province, it's toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. Our mantra, of course, call early, call often, one question per call. Oh, God, that's I a good make mantra. I a little tune. Yeah, I know. It's, it's almost written itself. Get a little it? violin action yeah. there. Uh, okay, so what's so important about today, yeah. other than the fact that it's the day yeah. for the garden show, yeah. uh, it's the first day of spring. 
Not quite. That's, well, yeah, one thirty-two. So maybe I'll call you or walk at around 1.30 this afternoon yes. and just do a little high five for spring. Yeah. Hi, spring. <laughs> so, so that's always a great day. It's been a crazy weather-wise so far. So mild. Yeah. Uh, you know, wonderful, but so mild. We do have a special guest joining us on in ha- at uh, 9.30. Mm-hmm. Dr. Michael Brownbridge will be joining us. Ooh. And he's going to explain all kinds of cool things to us about ways to, to control uh, insects and weeds in this new era of pest aside elimination. Mm-hmm. He's got all kinds of neat solutions, and uh, so he's going to share some tips. So that's coming up as well. If you aren't in Toronto and you're not going to Canada Blooms today, which, mm-hmm. you know, that's too some bad. Some people might not be. I was yes. going to say, you might have yeah. already gone already. So if you're not, hopefully you're in Lindsay, because today is CD Saturday in Lindsay. Don't forget, the location is the Queen Street United Church from 9 until 1 p.m. So swap and purchase seeds and other related items in Lindsay today. I hope my buddies up there, Dave and Sheila Peel, are going to that. All Very right. Good friends. Now, you alluded to a, an email just no. quickly from Susan in Collingwood. Uh, apparently, Susan went to Canada Blooms on Wednesday, first day of the show, first time she'd been there, loved it. She was in awe of all the exhibits and the fragrance and the beautiful fresh flowers. She doesn't mention how cold she was, <laughs> I noticed. Um, she was <clears throat> so great, she wanted to rush home and start planting. So we're going to talk a little bit about when and how and what to plant. And she's bought the bulbs there, but is holding until t- she gets advice from you. That's right. And she doesn't yeah. tell me what kind of bulbs, but I, uh, I have a, a sense of what she's perhaps picked up. So oh, maybe we can get to that good. as we go through the show. All right. Well, we're to our first little commercial break here uh, on the uh, Charlie Dobbin Garden Show. We look forward to your calls, questions, comments. Uh, complimentary, of course, and uh, <laughs> constructive the, criticisms. Those, okay, if you, let, if you let Greece know you, you've got a problem, you're not getting on the air. Okay, <laughs> back in just a moment with Charlie Dobbin. This is the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, your exclusive source for gardening advice, sponsored by Scotts, makers of EcoSense Natural Lawn Fertilizer. And it's 9.13 here on a rather chilly Saturday morning compared to what we have had, that's for sure. Has it been really nice? Oh, you don't know. Of course, you've been stuck inside, right? Correct. The Energy Center. Well, exactly. no, no, it's absolutely been beautiful. Actually, I've Set heard. records all over the place. I know, like yesterday. Yeah. 18 was, degrees, yeah, and yeah. it was up against a 14 degree one. Yeah, so. back in 1986, Oof. for gosh sakes. Amazing. Well, okay, Innes is waiting on the line here from Scarborough to talk about hydrangeas. Hi, good morning, Innes. How are you? Hello. Good morning. Hello. Hello there. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about the, uh, I think it's the PG hydrangea. You know, mm-hmm. it flowers later and had these long f- clusters. That's right, sort of conical, yes? Yeah, yeah, and they turn pinkish later Yes, on. that's the PG varieties, yeah, yep. Yeah, yeah. Uh, when do you really prune it? Actually, that's a great question because hydrangeas can be very confusing, I find. Yeah, well, uh, the others I have, I know, but this one I, yeah. I wasn't sure and I left everything on. Good. Well, I always leave the flowers on, the, the PGs, or what are called the grandifloras, uh, over the winter because they're pretty. Yeah. And, you know, they turn brown and they kind of rustle in the wind and they're yeah, quite well, attractive. And now they're gone. <clears throat> but, but they're still there. Yeah, exactly. So now the trick is to keep an eye. As the little green buds, you know, the leaf buds start to swell and are, are ready to pop, it's yeah. time to go out there and prune off all the flowers. Well, how drastically can you prune it? You can prune quite drastically, and often we do need to because PGs can outgrow their space. We we think they're going to stay small, and they don't always do that. Oh, it's it's really tall now. <clears throat> so uh, you can take up to one third off of the plant. 
So so you'll not only cut back the flower to the first set of green buds, but Uh you can go further than that. If necessary, you know, depending on the size of the plant, cut. But you'll see where there's little pairs of green buds and cut down to, you know, just above a pair of green buds and shape the plant. Mm -hmm. Remember that they're vigorous plants. You'll have grow, you know, branches and stems that grow to the center and it makes it all kind of congested in the center of the plant. So eliminate some of that. Open the plant up in the center and have it shaped nicely so that when it grows this summer, all the flowering will happen on the outside so in a it does beautiful formation. On new wood. Yes, it does. I see. Okay. 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 Well, thank you so have much. Have some fun with that and do it anytime in the next few weeks. Yeah. Thank okay. you. Thank you. Thanks Thank you for calling the Charlie Dobbin Garden Show from AM 740. On we go now to Hamilton. Say hi to Michael. Hi, Mike. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you very much. How Good. about you? Good. Good morning, Good. Michael. Morning, Charlie. Love your show. Thank you. What's going on in your garden? Uh, my garden, well, it's coming along quite nicely. So far, so good. Mm-hmm. The only trouble I have is with my back lawn. I have fairly low a uh, piece of property. I'm surrounded on both sides of my house by absentee landlords. Mm. So their yards are always a mess. Mm. And I have an infestation of moths creeping into my back lawn. How do I get rid of that? Moths. So tell me what they look like. Moss? Oh, moss. M-O-S-S. M-O-S-S. Oh, <laughs> that's so <Sorry>. cute. <laughs> Grace, my, my darling typist... Put up M O T H S, as in moths. <laughs> moths, no, no. my goodness. M O S S. So that's good. All right. <clears throat> Excuse me. Sorry, I'm just laughing. <laughs> so I'm like, <laughs> we're all a little, I guess, not quite, quite, quite here yet. Okay, moss. Moss is is growing because the conditions are good for moss. And what are those conditions? Moist. Yes. Dark. Yes. I have a low property, and and uh, this time, well. Once the snow was gone, you know, I have a bit of a water problem here in my backyard. Okay, so and so these unkempt neighborhood lawns on either side of you tend to drain into your lawn, it sounds like. Might, might be the case, yes. So what I would do is, okay, well, dr- you know, grading and drainage is an issue. It okay. may be that your best solution is not going to be cheap, but it's going to um, require <clears throat> either raising your backyard up to grade with these other ones or creating some kind of a retaining, you know, proper retaining and weeping tile situation, <clears throat> excuse me, so that moisture and water that's draining into your yard is then grading out of your yard and draining out okay. based on, on modifying the grade. Not a cheap thing to do, but certainly a good thing to do in the long run. Okay. That's solution and number one. Any kind of any kind of uh, uh, stuff I can use on the lawn to, to kill this stuff off? I mean, other than short of putting new sod down. No, putting new sod's not going to make a difference because the the problem the, the conditions that allow the moss to grow ha- will not change. You'll just have the new turf become full of moss. So okay. don't spend a lot of money on sod. I, yeah. What I would suggest is if, if the idea of investing thousands of dollars into regrading doesn't grab you, then a couple of things you could also do. One is test the soil. Uh, doing a simple soil test for pH is going to okay. tell you a lot about what you've got going on in your backyard. Right. When moss g- thrives, usually it's because the pH is below neutral. It's an acidic environment. Okay. It's moist, it's dark, and it's acidic, and moss loves that. So right. what you need to do is what you do what you can to reverse that. Okay. If it means trimming some trees to open up, get some sun in there, get some air in there, 
help yeah, get that moisture out of there. I'm surrounded by 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 a lot of trees, yeah. so it's a shady backyard yeah. to start with. But you know, which trees suits me in the summertime. Sure, it's nice and cool. Sure, trees are great. I would never suggest eliminating the trees, but no, no. sometimes thinning and opening the canopy up on the trees can just help get some air and some sun through to the ground below, okay. thus making it a little less moss friendly. So it's oh, it's great. And then at the end of the day, there is something out there. I'm not convinced that I think it works, so you should try it and let me know, actually. <laughs> they call it, you know, moss eliminator or, you know, moss control. It'll come in a little spray bottle, and it is a soap-based um, solution, which is supposed to be effective at eliminating moss. Okay. So check your local garden center for that. I'm sure it's out on the shelf now or will be soon, and that's an idea as well. See see if that works, cause I, and if it does, let me know, or doesn't, let me know, because I, I just find it hard I to believe that it would. As I say, I enjoy your show. Okay, thanks for your call. I'm glad, Michael, we finally straightened out that it was moss, not moths. <laughs> I, I had a whole picture in my mind of you being in Hamilton yeah, calling yeah. us with it's holes in your... to do with gardens, yeah. I think, if we're talking about moss. I know. <laughs> what do they look like? Yeah, exactly. They're that green. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay, thank you very much. Thanks, Michael. Take care, Michael. Yeah, okay, I see bye-bye. him out there in Hamilton with holes all in his clothes. <laughs> anyway. Surrounded yeah. by flying things. <laughs> I see our next question we'll come back to in just a moment is about tomatoes. Mm. You say tomato, I say tomato. Remember that old song, yes. right? I also remember you saying last week. Remember what? the oh, Aspidistra? Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. Well, di- just a quick, quick little 20-second little story. Di, as you know, is a director choreographer. Mm-hmm. So she was holding auditions, and a guy came in singing that song, but he hadn't heard what the song was really about. Uh-huh. So he came in and sang, you say tomato, I say tomato, you say potato, I say potato. <laughs> and the, I guess everybody's on the floor. Anyway, okay, 920, we got to scoot here, uh, get to a little commercial break, and I'll let you know those phone number again. 416-360-0740 in Toronto. Anywhere else in the province, it's toll-free here at AM740, 1-866-740-4740. Back in a mo. Southern Ontario, Western New York, wherever you're tuning in, this is your place for everything garden. The AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, sponsored by Scott's, makers of Turf Builder Easy Seed. And I'm the sous chef, Franklin Proctor, and uh, bidding you a good morning on this Saturday, the 20th of March, the first, first day, day of, of spring. spring. Very good. You thought we rehearsed that. <laughs> well, And you know what that hmm. means? It means it's equal day night today. Equinox. The, yeah. Uh, Spring equinox, is it? I think they call us a vernal. Vernal. vernal I don't know. It sounds dirty. Oh, okay. <laughs> On we go. Let's uh, let's have a quick chat here with Ursula in Toronto, all about tomatoes. Hi, Ursula. Hello. Good morning. How are you? Wonderful. Great. That's good. Thank you for taking my call. It's so nice to be able to talk to you. Mm-hmm. My, I, I don't have an actual garden. I just sort of have... Um, along the, the my fence at the back, I have I have just um, you know it's just a row from the front to the back mm-hmm. of the house um, where I I grow tomatoes and chives and parsley and roses and flowers. So everything is so, kind of in one spot. Sounds like a garden I, to me. And I know that that tomatoes you're supposed to rotate, rotate, rotate. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't have room to rotate. Mm-hmm. There's no place else that I can put them. Mm-hmm. And years ago. I used to listen to Art Drysdale, mm-hmm. and I heard him say, but if you can't rotate, then what you should do is, and then my memory failed. <laughs> I don't know whether he said mix it with, with milk powder in the soil, or he said something, but I cannot remember what it was. Do you have any idea? 
You know what he probably said? He probably said if you can't rotate, uh-huh. then you have two options. One is don't plant. See, the main thing is you don't want to plant the same crop in the same place year after year. Right. And your problem is a common problem. We all love tomatoes, uh-huh. but we just have you noticed the quality of your tomatoes decline over the yeah. years? Yeah. So you can either take, just take off a couple of years of planting tomatoes, and in that spot where you've been growing tomatoes, plant something that's not a member of the tomato family. So no, you know, no peppers, no eggplants, no potatoes either. Right. Go with some beans or some peas or, you know, even some corn if there's enough sun and room for that kind of height. So right. have some fun with that space. Continue to grow in it, but don't grow tomatoes. The other thing that ha- does work for a lot of people that have limited space is while you're taking that break in the garden from putting tomatoes in the same spot, get yourself a nice, couple of nice good-sized containers and grow your tomatoes in pots. There's absolutely nothing you can do to the soil that's going to rejuvenate it and make it possible to have happy, healthy tomatoes year after year after year. Farmers figured that out a long time ago. That's why crop rotation is, to this day, practiced for those reasons. Uh It's just, you you know, you're just not going to excavate and take out all that soil. I mean, we're talking cubic yardage of soil and then replacing to then do tomatoes again. It's just not reasonable. So there's, but, there's nothing that you can add to the soil no. that's going to help. No, I mean, it's, it's you always want to be adding organic matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, that milk powder thing I would stay away from. That's just that idea of calcium. Uh, tomatoes require calcium. All plants require some calcium. Um, but don't do the milk powder thing. It's You'll have ants and all kinds of things. Very attracted to all the sugar in that, so don't, oh. don't go that route. Okay. I use eggshells, crushed up fine. Toss them into the soil. Slowly they will break down and release calcium. That's fine. Um, you know, don't, generally our soil has lots of calcium in it anyway. But, you know, mm-hmm. if for some reason you were ending up with tomatoes that were all rotten on the, the blossom end, we blame that on, on uh, calcium issues. Oh, so okay. good, solid, quality nutrition, good, solid, highly organic soil will make all the difference to a, to a, good, a good healthy garden comes out of good healthy soil. Okay. Okay. All right. Thank Sorry. You. I wish I had a better solution, <laughs> yeah. but that's, 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 okay. that's the best I can do. All right. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks, Bye. Ursula. And uh, that call was from Toronto. We've got I know. other calls from all around the area coming well, up. And, and it's interesting. Ursula's problem is a common problem. Like, I had that problem, too. You know, yep. same old place. Keep putting the tomatoes. Got to have them. Nowhere else to go. <clears throat> Finally, I just said, you know what? It's time to... Either, well, in my case, I just... Give it a rest? No, I took out, I started oh, rejuvenating, oh, oh. took <laughs> out big old shrub. Actually, I got the, the men in the family to take out a big old shrub mm-hmm. right in my front bed, southern facing front yeah, of my house. Yeah. Got that out of there, opened up a huge chunk of space, emptied a couple of composters in there, put the tomatoes right there, front and center, right out front of my front window. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Now, I know we've got a special guest coming up in a couple of minutes here, uh, but you have a couple of uh, things you want just to deal with here. Wanted, yeah. Well, No, I just wanted to share with you that the, the gentleman we are about to talk to, I have never met him, but he sounds amazing. His name, he's a PhD, Dr. Michael Brownbridge. He has studied and researched insect control all over the world, okay, from Israel to Kenya mm-hmm. to Vermont and New Zealand. Dr. Brownbridge has now landed at Vineland Research and Innovation Center as the research director. Oh, wow. Yep. He's leading a research team in the field of biocontrol. So we're going to talk to Michael, and he's going to tell us a little bit about what is biocontrol and maybe share some tips with us. Wow. The following segment is sponsored by today's featured guest on the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Good morning. Are you there, Michael? 
Yeah. Hello, ah, how are good. you? Good, thank you. Very, very well. Good. Splendid morning. Again. Again. No <laughs> yes. kidding. Happy spring. Oh, you, uh, not till one thirty-two. I understand. <laughs> All right. So. Happy pre Well, you know you're a scientist when you can just reel that off. <laughs> uh, no, right. it's just, you know, watching the news late at night. <laughs> these things stick now and again. It's true. <laughs> this is Frank, my sous chef, you're hearing in the background. Hi, Michael. Nice to talk. Morning, Frank. How are you? Very well, thanks. Excellent. All right, so explain to us, what's a biocontrol? I assume it's a biological control, but tell us what that is. Yeah, it's a biological control. We, uh, there's a few different terms, but we generally sort of uh, consider it the use of one living agent to control another living agent. And in, the, in our case, we're sort of calling them good bugs against the bad bugs, so mm-hmm. good guys versus the bad guys. And I oftentimes um, liken it to, if you, if you sort of think of the plains of Africa, Mm-hmm. For example, and you've got the uh, the gazelle running around, mm-hmm. right? And then you've got the big predators, for example, like the lions and the cheetahs and whatever, running after those things. Okay, mm-hmm. if you scale that way, way down to the insect world, mm-hmm. there's a lot of insect predators mm-hmm. which will run around and feed on insect pests. Mm-hmm. And there's predatory mites, there's predatory insects, all sorts mm-hmm. of things, which do a fantastic job. Um, free of charge in most people's gardens. Well, sure. There's like praying mantids and there's exactly. assassin and, beetles and, and all kinds uh, of cool lay things. beetles, things like sure. that. And then there's others which uh, they're parasites of um, other insects, let's say. Mm-hmm. They lay eggs inside different stages of other insects that will develop and grow and kill those pests. And then there's... Uh, but, and an exa- sorry to interrupt, but an example of that would be the nematodes that we've been using to try and control grubs in our lawns. You can use that as an example. They're good parasites. There's also, mm-hmm. oftentimes, you know, if you get aphids on your roses. I'm mm-hmm. sure you do. Not well, me, not no, you never. personally, of course. <laughs> no, no. But aphids, no, to not come in my yard. <laughs> <laughs> they dead, dead. Um, A lot of times you get aphids, and people, over the course of a, a, a year, mm-hmm. you sort of start, start to see what we call aphid mummies. Mm-hmm. And these are just like mummified little aphid bodies. And, and if you look really, really closely at them, they've got um, little exit holes. And there's tiny little wasps will lay eggs inside those aphids. And those eggs will hatch inside the aphids. This is kind of gruesome, but it's great. I love devils. And they eat yeah. away that, uh, that aphid. And, yeah. and, and basically that, that's what inside. mummifies them on the plant. Yeah. Yeah. And then they emerge, and that's what the little exit holes are. So the adults emerge, and off they go again, doing a good job. And we're talking serious magnifying glass to see that. Oh, yeah, probably, probably. (laughs) Aphids are pretty tiny anyway, to see an exit hole. And the last ones we work with Uh are are, um, pathogens, Uh so disease-causing organisms. Just like everything else, insects Mm -hmm. get diseases. Mm -hmm. um, And we'd look to try and use some of those um, pathogens, those disease-causing organisms, to control insect pests. So that's... They're all considered bio, biological right. control agents, and it's just sort of different scales, if you will, going from the microbial to the macrobial. Okay. So first thing that comes to my mind is I think about, remember, was it in Australia where yeah. they took rabbits to control something? I forget what well, they uh, took. They took cane toads to control oh. the uh, into uh, different areas. Australia, well, yeah, they, they imported rabbits. I think that was more to do with the British and their love of hunting, but oh. I'm not really quite sure about okay. that one. But one, still, just that idea of modifying the natural yeah, environment. So, there's, there's so talk few, to me about uh, that. There's been a few mistakes yeah. say, over the years. <laughs> That's um, for sure. And gone from those days to where we are now, I think mm-hmm. we're much, much more cautious mm-hmm. in terms of the types of biocontrol agents we will actually allow in and, and release. And, mm-hmm. But, you know, generally speaking, everybody... Well, Mother Nature is a wonderful provider of these biocontrol agents. Everybody has them in their garden. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of times if we just create that that good habitat, Mm -hmm. you can get all of these sort of um, 
service providers. We use, mm-hmm. generally call them sort of ecosystem service providers. What a wonderful name. I love that. Isn't it great? Well, that's like encouraging the toads and frogs and snakes yeah, and birds, exactly. right? You can create a great environment mm-hmm. that allows these natural enemies, these biocontrol agents, to flourish in your own backyard. Service they will take providers. care of an awful lot of these pest problems for mm-hmm. you. Great. That's a great mm-hmm. point. Oh, so, okay, so that, this is a big subject, and this is what you do. This is what gets you out of bed every morning. Yeah, this is, this is what sort of uh, blows my kilt up, as they say, you know? <laughs> <laughs> this is the sort of thing that yeah, makes me work, you know, get out of bed. And I, I, you know, it's the sort of thing you go to talk to people at parties about. What do you do? I know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I work in biocontrol. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah you, they move on very, very quickly. Exactly. So you, they realize you're a big sort of a crank. But <laughs> honest to God, I think this is one of the best, jobs anybody could have in the world. I believe it. You know, I've managed to travel all over the world and actually get paid to do this. Isn't that lovely? This is, this is outrageous. Now, really. you, as I understand it, you've just moved to Vineland? Yes, I yeah. have. We, we moved, uh, came with my um, two boys. I've got two teenage boys. We moved at the end of July, uh-huh. arrived into Toronto. <laughs> it's quite a funny story, really. Arrived into Toronto at about uh, midnight on the 22nd. I was at work at like 9.30 on the 23rd. Oh. And I, I thought, well, I'll have a few days off, and it hasn't quite happened yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then I, my I, wife joined I, us uh, in October. She was wrapping up sort of uh, selling our house and everything in New Zealand. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yep, here we are. It's well, that's wonderful. Welcome to the Niagara region. Well, I live in St. Catherine, so thank you. just next door. Yeah. Yeah. I love it here, honestly. It's just a great place. Well, and you're in a very happening place, that Vineland Research and Innovation Center. Yes, it is. Yeah, so there's a lot of very cool things going on oh, there. there's lots of good stuff going on there, yeah, really. Okay, so t- just uh, one quick aside. We've, ta- we've been talking about insects, and we've been talking about ways to control insects. Are you involved at all in the control of weeds? Um, I, I am in a sort of, um, how should I say, I, I, there's, a, there's a couple of projects I'm um, hoping to get up and running. Okay. And this all depends on funding, of course. Of course. Um, but uh, I, I will be working with a, one of the professors at the University of Guelph mm-hmm. and a group at the um, Agriculture Canada station out in Saskatoon, oh. and they deal with weed biocontrol agents. Okay. So uh, we're hoping to, really when you, you know, and specifically in, we're talking sort of uh, lawn pest management, mm-hmm. lawn weed management here, mm-hmm. you have to sort of take a systems approach to whatever you do. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, nobody's, pests aren't the only issue people have, mm-hmm. they also have weed issues. So we're trying to take a, a pretty much a holistic approach to um, weed control, pest control, mm-hmm. and, and lawn health overall right. as the best way. And lawn health is probably your, your foundation for everything. Right. You need a healthy lawn to begin with. Otherwise, everything else is just... You're, you're falls really apart. Money away. It falls apart. You're dead well, right. And I'm not sure if you were listening uh, earlier in the, in the half hour before we were speaking to you, one of the callers, gentleman from Hamilton, had a problem with moss in his lawn. Yeah. And I'm not sure if you heard what he said. It's no, low-lying, it's all shady, it's yeah. trees everywhere... And he's having issues with his lawn. And I'm going, well, duh. I mean, uh-huh. these are not, this is not lawn growing conditions well, at all. It's good moss growing conditions. Exactly. Perfect. <laughs> he could get into the moss business. Green. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So just tell, okay, so now tell us a little bit about what's out there. So, you know, we've got all kinds of listeners. They're gardeners. They want to know what are the solutions for, you know, I guess lawns are kind of where you have been concentrating and focusing more than anything. Rubs, that yeah, sort we of have. Thing, yeah. yeah, so. And we, and we've been focusing focusing on the lawns, I mean, as, as everybody's aware, you know, with the urban pesticide ban, mm-hmm. um, overnight, effectively. That's uh, right, since last April. Yeah, that's right. People were sort of left without, gosh, what do we use against <laughs> our weeds? What do we use against the, the, the pests in, in the lawn? Right. 
So we're um, focusing on the insect side of things currently, and like I say, over time we'll, we'll, we'll get more into the, uh, to the weed biocontrol. Um, but looking at the European chafer, that's mm-hmm. the big sort of white grubs mm-hmm. in the lawns. There's, that, there's, there's several white grubs which sure. feed on your lawn roots, so that's, that's one of our targets. Mm-hmm. And chinch bugs as well. Yep. Um, periodically, you know, they, they weren't around apparently uh, last year. It was just too wet. Too they wet, like yeah. hot and dry. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are two primary targets for right now. Um, I have a colleague at the, um, the Turf Research Institute in Guelph. Mm-hmm. She's we're working together on these on these grubs, um, but also on leather jackets. Yeah, which have sort of emerged as a pest. I think it was more of a a little bit of a background nuisance when there was a lot of these broad spectrum chemicals That's available right. to control it. But it's now they're not around. It's 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 really doing a a bit of a number. That's right. And just for for the, our listeners, leather jackets grow up to be what we call crane flies, crane flies. which look correct. like a monster mosquito. Well, they aren't right. mosquitoes, but yeah. they look like a huge mosquito. They do that big gangly legs. <clears throat> yeah, they kind of look unsightly. They kind of Funny. freak people out. And you're right. Yeah. There used to be a few of them around. Now there's like quadrillions of them out yeah, there. Yeah, there are. Okay, and, so yeah. what what are some of the controls for European chafer then that are okay, out there? Europe, what, Right now, I, I guess uh, available controls. Um, there's the nematodes that you mm-hmm. mentioned earlier. Um, I'll give you the Latin name because there isn't a common name. It's a hetero, heterorhabditis bacteriophora, um, easily just called HB. It makes life a lot easier. Mm-hmm. But that's the one that's commonly recommended for control of um, chafer grubs in lawns. Oh, okay. Um, so you spray a bacteria on your lawn. Well, that's a nematode. Oh, sorry. Okay, you, thanks. You can <laughs> spray it on your lawn. You've got to use. The, there's there's some Tricks to using them properly, though. That's true. Read oh. directions, read directions, read, read directions. directions. You read the directions. Um, these are, uh, of course, they're living little parasitic worms. Mm-hmm. Now, people go, parasitic worms, <laughs> and kind of get freaked out a little bit about it, but they're very specific mm-hmm. to these insects. Yep. You're not going to sort of, I won't go there. No. You know? <laughs> it's true. You won't see them. They're, they're just, them. they're, they're, they're like little, a hair. They're so, yep. so tiny. They're, they're, they're just tiny, tiny little creatures, mm-hmm. but amazingly um, effective. effective if you use yeah. them right. But the thing is, you, you have, they have to obviously be alive. Mm-hmm. Um, dead nematodes don't do anything. Right. So they have to be kept in good condition. They have to be um, produced and sold. You know, they have a, a shelf life, uh, a sell-by date on them. That's um, right. If you don't just sort of stick them on a in, a, in, in your garage and <laughs> no. go back a year later and expect them to be alive. And I tell people, go straight home. Like, you don't yeah. go shop, grocery shopping, leaving live nematodes in your car in July. Doesn't work. Nope, well. they bake. Funnily enough. But uh, that's one of the things. So, that, you know, you've got to store them correctly mm-hmm. and only hold them probably for no more than two weeks before mm-hmm. you use them. Mm-hmm. And like anything else, you know, they have certain temperatures that they prefer to work at. Right. And soil is a huge temperature, you know, heat sink. Mm-hmm. And this time of year, it's pretty cool. So people who are thinking, I've got to get some controls on no. onto my lawn for the grubs now, no. you can buy these, but they're not going to do a thing. No. Soil is just too, too cold. Um, so you have to wait until the soil temperature is probably over 15 degrees mm-hmm. for them to work at all. Okay. And that's an important consideration. <laughs> the last thing is um, nematodes really, uh, they require moisture in the soil to be able to move around. They, they, they move around on the soil particles in the little film of water that surrounds these soil particles. So if the soil is not wet, not soaking wet, but just but it's not damp, yeah. they will not also be able to move into the soil. And so we need them. To apply these nematodes right. um, in, on an overcast day because they don't like the UV. So towards the end of the day, mm-hmm. into a damp soil. 
Right. You can put them on with a watering can or via a sort of a, a, a sprinkler hose, but again, nothing too fine. They're, they're small creatures, mm-hmm. and if you try and put them through too fine a nozzle or at too high a pressure, you kind of get chopped up nematodes. Oh, and they don't work too, yeah. too well. And so, they're eggs, actually, aren't they? They're nematode eggs that you're no, applying. they're actually live, little, wiggly nematodes. Oh, they are, okay. And if, if what, what people can do, if they, if they buy these nematodes, they can just take a little bit. Um, I take like a Ziploc bag. Mm-hmm. You can take a little, little bit of, of this sort of paste or, or however they get them, put it into a small amount of water, and if yeah. you hold that bag up to the light, yeah. you should be able to see these little white hairs just twitching slightly in the water. Or just let them warm up to room temperature, and then they'll start moving, and then, and then people know that's, that's what they've got. They've got a good live product. It's so interesting that you said that, because years ago, when nematodes were first on the market, yeah. I bought some, and it was on. They were supposedly immersed in a little sponge. That's right. Yeah. So you would take a little sponge and you'd squeeze it out into a watering can full of water. Yeah. So I did all that, but you know, I'm from the old school where we got out our diazinon or our malathion and we sprayed and we got the smell and yeah. we felt like we were being effective. <laughs> so there I am with this little blue sponge, squeezing it out into a watering can that I just paid forty dollars for, mm-hmm. <laughs> not the watering can, the little blue sponge, <laughs> and and I'm going. You know what? I think this is all just a joke. Yeah. So I got my son to hollow out his microscope. I said, okay, we're going to look and see if there's anything in this water. We couldn't find anything, but, you know, maybe that was just us. And I went out and I did it. I sprinkled it on the lawn going, okay, I think I'm really stupid. But anyway, it, <laughs> uh, frankly, it all worked really nicely. Yeah. So my other sort of last question, because unfortunately we'll have to go, is do the nematodes survive over winter or is this an annual um, application we need to do? Um, that's a Really good question. Depends on the winter. Sure we, no, I yeah. think a certain proportion of that population will survive, uh-huh. and you might get some will go into an in, into an insect, you know, mm-hmm. and they'll infect it, and they may survive in the in the dead insect. Right. But you won't get the numbers necessarily in the soil that'll that'll you know suppress your pests right. the following They're year. Really so realistically speaking, um, you should probably apply during the next year. And, okay. and for these nematodes, it's, it's probably the best time. For the uh, for the white grubs is is towards the end of the summer. I right. know that's not really ideal for a lot of folks. For moist getting, lawns. <laughs> yep, the lawns are getting dug up now, but it's a process, you know. Mm. And, and you can apply once this year, you know, for sure. You're going to have to follow up again next year. And there's you know there's there's going to be a um, a flight of those chafers are going to come into people's gardens mm-hmm. no matter what. We're all part of the same neighbourhood, so. You're, you may control the, the grubs in your lawn, but next door perhaps doesn't. Mm-hmm. So they're going to come out and you're going to get a reinfestation. Good so stuff. reapplication is, is probably a wise thing to do. But mm-hmm. over time, you know, you can, you can really bump that population down and, and uh, prevent damage. So you kind of have to take your control, uh, apply your control measures sort of end of August, September time right. to prevent that damage the following year or That's, that. And it's really the... It's uh, preventative, it's, yeah. It's a preventative yeah, type yeah. of approach, yeah. Which is, which is the way I think we should be going anyway rather than a curative approach. Absolutely, and this mm. goes back to the idea of encouraging toads and snakes and birds and ha- have them supporting the process as well. Yeah. Michael, thank you so, so much. This has been great. We have obviously lots more to talk about. What a, what a pleasure to speak to another PhD. Uh, <laughs> well, my, my, mine stands for piled higher and deeper, but <laughs> never mind. You know what the MSC stands for, but it's probably not, you can't say it on the air. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do this again real soon. I would love to. Excellent. Thank you so much and happy spring. Thank you, Charlie, and the same to you both. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye now. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin.
Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Need gardening advice? You've come to the right place. The AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, sponsored by Scott's, the makers of miracle Grow. Hi, Frank Proctor with you and Charlie here on the Garden Show, 947 the time, and we have to scoot along and uh, get to Susan with her question. Hi, Susan. Good morning. Good morning. How are you today? Great. Morning, Susan. Good morning, Charlie. I had a question about my maple tree. Mm -hmm. Last August, it started to lose all of its leaves, and then over the fall, we started to see that yellow moss appearing on it. Um, over the wintertime, we've noticed that uh, the moss has gotten a lot darker, almost a deep, deep yellow-orangey color, and in some spots, the bark has actually stripped off of the tree. Doesn't sound good. I was wondering what good. I could do to, to help it out. Tell me how big is, is this a big old maple? It's a good 75, 100-year-old maple, I'd oh, say. Geez. Are you in Toronto? Mississauga. Mississauga. You know what I would do right now? Grab your yellow pages, go to A for Arborist, Mm-hmm. or tea for tree company and get an, a certified arborist onto your property. Okay. It doesn't sound good. That yellow goldy stuff you're talking about sounds more like lichen rather than moss. Lichen okay. will not kill a tree, but the fact that it's it's growing so rapidly and the bark is starting to loosen, no, no trees should have been defoliating in August last year. The conditions were not stressful at all. Um, you know, dry summers, Plants will defoliate early and go dormant early, but that wasn't the case last summer at all. Uh, so it doesn't sound good. It sounds to me like something's happened. Was there construction around this tree recently? Uh, no, not at all. We just moved into the home last January, so it was the first year with the tree for us. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't remember seeing anything okay. on it when we moved in. Yeah, have about yeah. But you see, trees aren't like you know tomato plants they, that sh- will show stress and damage immediately. Trees. When they are put under stress, it often takes years to see the decline, and okay. then it takes years to actually completely die. Right. What you've got going on there doesn't sound good. It sounds like something, if it hasn't happened in the last year, has happened in the past. So okay. I would, like I say, get an expert onto your property who can assess the situation and give you a long-term prognosis. Okay. Okay. Thank you very much. Thank, Thank you. Thank you very much, Susan. And as the butcher said, as he backed into the bacon slicer, whoops, got a little behind in my work. So it's uh, <laughs> nine. One of come those days. To, well, yes, indeed. <laughs> 9.50, and we have to take another commercial break here, okay? And be back and have a chat with Audrey. When you have a growing concern, ask the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, sponsored by Scott's, makers of Scott's Wild Bird Food. And once again, good morning here at the Garden Show from AM740, and we're going to uh, Simcoe to say hi to Audrey. Good morning. Good morning. Morning, Audrey. Hi. What's going uh, on in your I'm, garden? I'm phoning about my, my tulips. Mm-hmm. Two years ago, I, I put about 20 tulips in on the west side near the, in the sun, mm-hmm. and last year only one flower, they all come up, but they didn't have any uh, flowers on them. They just had the stems and the, the leaves. Uh, okay, so were there stems where there should have been flowers? Yeah. <laughs> Do you have squirrels in your neighborhood? Yeah, but they weren't knocked down. They weren't, um, uh, you know, they weren't pushed over or anything. They were very strong. Beware of squirrels with step ladders. That's what I've always said. <laughs> <laughs> no, but they'll bite the flowers off. I've seen the, Now, you're right. Usually when they bite the flower off, they kind of drop it. They don't yeah. always take it home or anything. They're all standing up nice and straight, <sighs> but one and just one tulip. So this, so this year, what you've got to do is you've got to keep an eye. The leaves, of course, will come up, and they're very obviously leaves. Mm-hmm. When the flowers are coming up, they come from the center. 
And it's a very different look. It's got that bud, that flower bud at the top. And then, of course, the green stem. Something happened to those buds. It it wouldn't come up without a a bud on top of that flower stem. Well, it did. Well, no, something came along and had a little feast. You know, it could have been groundhogs. Oh. Um, Could have been, because groundhogs will do that. They'll just kind of go through. Uh, Even, you know, gophers. uh, Hard to say for sure what might have emerged to to have a little chow down. Uh, Now, we did talk about, I just wonder if I have it here. There was an email from one of our listeners who was having deer problem, and they were using that product that they sprayed very judiciously on plants to keep the deer away, and it would work as well. To keep squirrels away. Okay, um, being as deer the, away. Yeah, and I think it was called deer away, wasn't it? Do you remember, Frank? Yeah, very close to that. Yeah, um, mm. I can look that up. But, you know, that's what I would do. What do you do to protect your tulips? I mean, we put cages around them sometimes, you know, a little chicken wire. Can, okay, I've done that with the ones down the bottom yeah. there. They all come up okay. Yeah, they'll come through the chicken wire if you lay it flat on the ground to keep the squirrels from digging them up. But then that still doesn't stop them chewing on the flower. So you can do kind of a cage over top. Not that attractive, but it certainly protects them. Okay. Um, well, or try the spray. Pardon? Try the spray. Okay, thank you very much. You're very welcome. Thank, thank you, you, Audrey. Take Bye. care of Simcoe Forest here at AM 740, the Charlie Dobbin Garden Show on the air. As we get to uh, Kitchener's, say hi to Ken. Hi, Ken. Hi, Ken. Hi, uh, Charlie. Uh, good morning, Ken. morning, Charlie. I'd like to know when you should spray, uh, put fertilizer on your lawn. How early can you put Did it on? Did you do a fall fertilizer? The, did you put fertilizer in the autumn? At, 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 yeah, on the fall I fertilized it. Okay. And uh, have you got an, a beautiful lawn and you take really good care of it? Yes. <laughs> I can tell. <laughs> so, and do you traditionally, how many fertilizer applications do you traditionally do? Two. Two. But I just wonder when I can put it on being it's so nice this year. I know. You can put it, personally I wouldn't put it yet. Because yet. if you put fertilizer down now, it, it won't hurt anything. It'll just sit there. And it will sit there until the plants start to actively grow. They will not start to actively grow until the soil temperature warms up. Oh my, and the my, air temperature. It's getting green already. I know because it's using the fertilizer that you put down in the fall. Oh. And of course it's finding moisture in the soil the grass you know grasses they're pretty they're what we call cold or weather grasses they're pretty good at waking up fairly early and turning green so don't don't worry about jumping into that fertilizer too soon even though i know it's been extremely mild and we're weeks ahead of schedule i would still hold off on on doing any spring fertilizing till end of april at the soonest even if you can push it till sometime in may that would be fine Okay. Okay. In the meantime, just allow it to green up as it's going to. Well, it's getting green. Oh, I bet. And you're going to be pulling out your lawnmower before you know it. So the I think l- I'd have to mow it if, if it's growing. I know. <laughs> yeah, well, it's great. Well, you know, cool weather crop. It will grow just like, you know, pansies will grow at this time of year, as will the bulbs. I mean, they, they're okay with cool soil, soils, but to really get that rapid growth, we need the whole thing to warm up quite a bit more. And the last, I mean, I don't, do you want to get out there and have to mow the lawn every day? Oh, I don't care. I got a riding lawnmower. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I had a feeling you were going to say that. All right. Well, just so you can sit in the in the hammock a few little more. No, I leave it to it Enjoy day. exactly. Put it off as long as you can. So late April, early May. Okay. Thank you. Thanks so much. Thanks, Bye-bye. Ken. Okay, Ken from Kitchener. Now let's go to Paisley for a word from Grace. Hello, Grace. Hi, how are you? Good morning. Good morning. Hi. I was wondering. I have an orchid plant and. Quite a long time ago, when the flowers had stopped blooming and were off, I, by mistake, cut the 
stock off. Mm. Well, should I throw that plant out? Will it ever get another stock? Oh, absolutely. Don't worry. What you cut off... It might have been a good thing. It might have been that that, that stalk was done anyway, and it was going to proceed to brown from the top all the way down, and you were going to cut it off eventually. You precipitated and cut a little early. Don't worry. In the meantime, just keep doing the right thing to keep the orchid happy. Okay. So that's, you know, the, the humidity should be fairly high. The temperature needs to be room temperature, the bright, diffuse light, fertilizer every two weeks. Um, make sure it's in a well-drained situation. It's not soggy. And you'll see, eventually another flower will pop out. Okay. Okay? Thank you very much. I enjoy your show. Thank you very much for calling. Bye-bye. It's coming around to uh, 9.58. Oh, we don't have, you don't say it. Were you going to say let's quickly no. rush to another no, caller? No, no, okay, no, no, I was not because... Because I know you. You think okay. I can fit these things in. It's like, <laughs> no. Oh. Just. What do you think I am, a magician? Exactly. Let me share with you a cute uh, email. Okay. All right. This was from Peter in Southampton. I did not print off because I don't have a printer in my hotel room, uh, but it, it was cute because he said, now, I, I listen to your show, and I know it's only one question per caller. He says, I'm hoping email's different, and he proceeded <laughs> to ask three questions. So I do want to address his questions because they were all good. Number one, when do you apply dormant oil to roses? Mm. Right? Good question. Funny spring we're having, or funny late winter we're having, dormant oil to apply it. And this goes back to what Dr. Brownbridge was saying. You know, conditions, conditions. Make sure you've got the right conditions when you do your preventative pest control, which is what dormant oil is. You got the temperature must be above zero. We must have no chance of precipitation for at least 24 hours from the point of you spraying, and preferably don't spray on a windy day. Um, and if you look at the package, there might even be one more little criteria there. So meets the criteria on the package. You could be spraying dormant oil, I think, I was going to say today, but maybe not because it's, I think, it's supposed to rain tomorrow. So just got to make sure there's no rain and we're above zero. He asked about grass seed. When can he get grass seed down? Great question again. <clears throat> you can put grass seed down anytime you want. You could put that down today. Assuming you're not on a slope. If you're on a really steep slope, I would never put grass seed down at this time of year because it's all going to just wash down. But if you've got a level lawn and you've raked out your dead stuff and you're feeling good about your, you know, you've perhaps done a little top dressing because it's that mild where you live, put the grass seed down and it will just sit and wait until the conditions are right. Uh, I do rake my grass seed very lightly so the birds don't take it away. Uh, And of course, use a bit of a lawn top dresser as part of that. Um, But sure, grass seed... Gosh, I've put grass seed down on snow before. You know, it just waits. Seeds are great. They'll just wait until the conditions are right. And then his last question was all about fertilizer and weed preventative. So that's a bit of a bigger question because that's all got to do with using, um, in this case, it would be corn gluten to prevent weeds. So let's talk about that next Next week. Next week. You know what? What? I've just got to thank uh, our guest, Michael, yes. very much. For both you and I, our eyes just kind of <laughs> boing when he came out with a little phrase. We told him, you know, how do you, how do you like your job? And he said, oh, what, it's what blows my kilt up. Yeah, I, I've never heard that expression before. I've written that down. What blows my kilt up. Maybe you can use that when I uh, chat with you a little later on this afternoon, which I plan to do from Canada Blooms. Yes, we're going to chat later because that's where I'm going after this and Martha Stewart's coming. Oh, yeah. So I'll be, you know, watching for her helicopter and letting you know whether it's in sight. Absolutely. I'm joking. She's not coming by helicopter. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Oh, and uh, on your drive down, about quarter after 10, Mm. Jerry Ginsburg and I will be having a talk. Excellent. General manager of the show. Yeah. So, And you've also got Bill Gable. 
Oh, That's right. He's going to be calling in some point this afternoon. And he's in the celebrity flower arranging gang. Oh. Oh. And it's, they're hilarious. They, it's so much fun. They, it's just it's a huge crowd pleaser. <laughs> so if you can get down this afternoon, do so. Charlie, thank you again for a great show. Thank you, all of you. Great callers. Thanks, Frank and Grace. See you next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.